Welcome to the James Quandaw Show, the space where I interview the world's experts and share how you can live your life to the fullest and build the life of your dreams. On today's episode, I sat down with Clint Hoops. Clint is the proud father of six children, as well as a podcast host and executive coach for business owners and leaders who are husbands, fathers, and family men. We discussed how as high achievers, we can kill it at work and kill it at home. We defined what DCA is, which is desire, clarity, and action, and how to use it to level up our lives. Clint explained what being present at home means to him and shares a moving story of what happened that made his wife kick him out of the delivery room right after his baby was born and what Clint did to ensure this would never, ever happen again. Finally, we discussed goal setting, journaling, celebrating our victories, the resistance, the comparison syndrome we're all prone to, and much, much more. This episode is extra special because it's the one-year celebratory episode of The James Quandall Show. Thank you so much for listening. If you've been enjoying the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Send me a note by email, Instagram, or Twitter, at James Quandall, and please share your favorite podcast episodes with someone else. This will help the podcast grow and help more people grow from all the wisdom that is shared on the show by my guests. Now, let's get into this conversation with Clint. When we were talking on Tuesday, that I wish we were recording our whatever 30 or 40 minute conversation after the podcast. I'm like, exactly. so many people would get a lot of value out of this. So I'm just going to hit record right now. I should have been recording for the last 15 minutes. And uh, there's been so much wisdom and knowledge already that you've shared. So um, I am curious. So we are recording. But the father first effect, what does that mean? And, and why is it no longer really what you're talking about? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's funny. I, I a while back, <clears throat> I started uh, trying to figure out how different men manage to be incredibly successful in in work and in life with their family and with their children, and and so I really wanted to to capture that and help people be help these men be great fathers. And so I started something called the Father First Effect, and I had. And, and I started interviewing people because I started interviewing leaders all over the country because I realized there was something special that some of these leaders had. And, and so, and so the more I went through it, and that was the thing that I told them, I said, look, I said, I believe there's something here. There's something about being a father first that will, that, that really will impact your business, impact your life. And the more I went through it, the more I realized that being a father is incredibly important. And, and I kind of found that it was something a little different than what I thought going in. Do you know how you have like, uh, I think about like a science fair project back when you're in school and they're like, okay, come up with your hypothesis, right? And your hypothesis is, you know, is, is what you believe to be true. And then you got to go and prove whether it is or not. And, uh, and that's what father first effect was for me. It was something where, okay, I want to, I want to go, I want to go see this. I want to go test this. And I found that there was a lot of truth to it. And, but I also found something a little bit deeper. And what I found was, was that it wasn't necessarily putting, having these leaders put 
be a father first that was making the impact, but there was an element of connection and momentum in their lives that I found over, over all these interviews that I did from my podcast to just interviews that I did just for father first effect. I found something that I call now instead unrivaled momentum. And so it, it, you know, so it was kind of funny. It's, it's, it's essentially the same type of thing. It's just, it's something that can be had by anybody. It doesn't have to be just a father, but there is something about having a connection with those that are most important in your life, starting with your spouse, right? Then going to children and having your family, right? If that's, if that's where you're at in life and then your connections with people at work. And, and I have, I have a model that I've, that I've created through all this that, that I've created that, that talks about how you can get this unrivaled momentum in your life and get this positive effect that really we're all, we're all seeking. So how do you tell from the outside looking in that someone is this un, has this unrivaled momentum or what you used to call the father first effect? Like, how did you even identify that these might be people that had these attributes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what's it's it's interesting, and that actually there, there's there's two parts of it. So first off is the momentum part. Momentum is tough to describe, but you know when you have it, <laughs> right? I mean, would you agree with that? Uh, I know when I don't have it. That's for sure. There you go. <laughs> I know. When I, <laughs> there you go. I can really feel when I'm like, oh, something's different. I'm feeling like I'm pushing this rock up a hill right now and I don't have any momentum. Like it's really tough right now. But then sometimes it feels like the rock is pushing you a little bit, right? In a positive direction. Oh yeah. Sometimes you just feel like the winds keep stacking and you feel like, oh, at least me, I'm like, is it something I'm doing right now? And then usually it's like, no, it's something I did six months ago. And yes. not today. What I'm doing today is what's going to push this rock six months from now. You know what I mean? You you hit it right on the head. You hit it right on the head. And so what I found is is that is that we were able to find these people with with momentum because there's lead measures and lag measures, right? So in business, we talk about different lead measures, the the lead indicators, right? Salesmen will often say, "Hey, you know, I know that if I you know talk to a hundred people." you know, 10 of those people or three of those people or 30 of those people, depending on the the salesman will, will buy. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a matter of, I need to hit my lead indicators. And the lag indicator is how many people actually bought, right? Or how much revenue was actually made, whatever, whatever you're, you're measuring. So it's the same kind of way. Momentum is, is the same way. And so what I found is there are people that their, their lag measures in life were a happy family, a, you know, a, balanced life. And if you were watching me, you see little air quotes because balance is all relative. It's more about balancing right in life. It's shifting one way or the other, right in a way where you have momentum. And then, and then in the end, you, you keep on going and they had financial as well, right? Their financial lives were also had a flow to them. And so, so really in the end, that's how I found that's how I found a lot of these people, because when I described this to people, they would refer me to other people that were the same way. The people that seemed to have it figured out in a way. And so and so there were a few things that I found by interviewing these people. I found out that very often their success was was built very often through the connections that they had with people. 
starting with themselves and their and their ability to see themselves clearly their ability to connect with god if they were someone with faith then connecting with their spouse and their children and then from there when that kind of forms their base of their life when they had healthy connections there then they began to have healthier connections with their people at work with their employees with with other people they work with and and really the things that i found they're so simple i mean true principles are so simple right and i found that people need to have something i call dca desire clarity and action and it's the most simple thing in the world right because it's true they need to have a desire to connect with these people in their lives a true desire and both both sides want need to have a desire clarify what they want to accomplish together right whether that's a family whether that's at work with specific goals that we have or a vision we want to accomplish and then action and then you act on whatever that is you decide what you want to accomplish what you want it to look like in the future and then you act on it and then you go around again and the more times you go around the more clear and the more connected you get with the more important people in your life you further to have a desire to get better clarify the relationship clarify what actions you're going to take to improve it improve and act upon the vision at work whatever part of the life it is and you that's when you start getting more and more momentum got it okay so these these were mostly men that you were you were kind of researching and interviewing and studying mm -hmm. at that point. Um, yes. Did they see themselves in this capacity as, as winners or unrivaled? Like, did they see that they had a gift mm -hmm. or a strength or something different? So, so, so let me, let me explain before I answer that, let me, let me tell you a little bit more about why it's called unrivaled momentum. My podcast is also called, is it's called unrivaled man. Right. And it's funny because I, I, I almost didn't use the name unrivaled man because I did not want people to, to look at it and say, Oh, well, he's saying he is the, like the, like the only one unrivaled man. Cause that's not it at all. What it is, is each man is the unrivaled man in their life. Right. That's the, that's the purpose. So what does unrivaled mean? Unrivaled means there's no competition, right? No one can compare, right? And that you don't compare yourself to others. So that's that's where it comes from. You be, you know, the top performer, the top person, the top man in your own life, because you're the only one that can help in your family and fill that role in your family. You're the only one at at work if in your business that can fill your role in your way. And so that's what it is. It's becoming the best version of you, not to be like a cliche type phrase, but really become the best version of you without all the comparison and competition. Because I found myself in my past, you know, I've, I've had, I've had, you know, 150 plus employees, you know, tens of millions of dollars that managing as CEO of different companies. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter whether I was back when I first was just managing one or two people to managing that many. I was, it was very hard not to compare myself to other people that were ahead of me, right? In some way. And some person that had it figured out more than me. And, and there's all those ways where, you know, sometimes it's healthy to be able to learn their wisdom and knowledge, but, but not get to the point where you're constantly comparing, because I know that if I compare myself to a lot of others, I'm going to be feeling pretty bad about myself. 
because they're steps ahead. And so, um, so anyway, so that's, that's kind of where it, it's kind of where it came from. And you're doing it your own way and you Mm -hmm. have your family and your, your kids and your parents and other people in your life have their own needs that are different than this person that you're comparing to. And when you're comparing, I've found to someone else, which I do all the time, I'm guilty of it. I, uh, I love the, the, the war of art. I think it's called where it's basically if you're a creator and you're creating content, you're basically always going to be going up against this resistance, which for me is comparison and imposter syndrome. I love that philosophy of the resistance. But what's so clear is when you see that person, you admire a single trait. You're not seeing the rest of them. You're not seeing how they are in their home. They might have a toxic home environment. You're not seeing how they are with their friends. Or if they have friends, you're not seeing any of that. But you see all of that with you. So you really can't just compare the two. Yeah, it's funny. So I, so I, love, I love playing the piano, right? It's something I've done since I was young. And, uh, and, I, and I often say this, and, it's, it's, and it kind of makes me laugh a little bit because, because it's a, it's, it's something that's true. I have played the piano for gosh, I don't even know how many, you know, 20 plus years or something. I don't know. Um, gosh, no more than that. 25 years, 30 years. Oh my goodness. Since I was pretty young. Are you good? And, and, and I am mediocre, (laughs) but do you know, but, but for how many years I have taken piano lessons and practiced and everything, I should be amazing. Right. But notice what I said. I said, should. Right. Where where, where did that come from? Right. Like, should what? Why? Why should I be amazing? I I have I have skills. I have different things that I'm great at. It just so happens that that is one thing I love that I have had to work so hard on and I haven't really gotten that great at it. But it brings me so much joy. I really don't care. But what about when you see some 10 year old on YouTube? I was just watching this guy. He was playing chess and playing the piano at the same time between moves. He was playing like two-minute games of chess and playing the piano. And he was better at both of those things than I am at either of them alone with full concentration. And he was doing it on video. Totally. When you see that, what do you do? How do you not compare yourself? So So the reality is you do. I do. Right. I know I see that. I see the I see the 10 year olds do that. And I'm just like, this is nuts. This is nuts. I've been playing the piano for, you know, for, you know, two or three times as long as he's been alive. And and still I can't play that thing that they're playing. And and it's funny. And I just have to recognize that because I don't I don't think it, it's very difficult. If someone tells you that they never compare, I I think they're lying because I think you start you do it's it's what you do after right it's what you do after i think you'll see that and be like, holy cow that's incredible i wish i could you know you'll you'll do those things in your mind but then you have to have that little reflection of okay wow good for him that he has that those kind of skills or that kind of desire because could i be you know and cuz cuz here's the deal it's all about what you choose to do in life as well like me i could spend more time and i could get better than I am right now. I definitely could. We get to choose what we want to focus on and be great at. It just so happens I have some other things in life that are higher and more important to me at this point. And who knows? Maybe I will focus on on that at a different level in the future in my life. But for right now, 
I'm I'm good. Just I can applaud others that that have those skills. There's this book. It it might have been called. It wasn't Outliers. I don't think. Um, basically, it was a whole book of folks that in this back half of their life, they're all household names, and it's all these people that are got known for what they're doing now in the second half of their life. And I've always loved that because that means at any point you can choose an activity and become good enough for notoriety or excellence or whatever it is. You just have to choose, like you said. Um, I actually have had a major comparison issue constantly. I I always am comparing myself to other people and, and I see all their pros and all of my negatives but I actually was flipping through this book the other day and it actually gave me a tool that has already paid dividends. And instead of comparing, well, compare, like I'm going to compare, but you flip, flip it to a positive right away and say, hey, if they can do that, that means I can do it too. They're actually just yes. showing it's possible. Just like when they broke, I think, the five-minute barrier or the four-minute barrier on the mile for the first time, it was like Roger Bannister. Hey, now all these other people can do it too, and I think they're under an hour now on the half marathon. And uh, is that right? Fifty-nine minutes, half marathon, whatever it is. Once someone proves it, then I can do that too. And I feel like that is such a better place to be in than in this like, "Woe is me, man! I wish I would have done something different with my life so I could be like that too." <laughs> have Have you Have you um have you ever heard of uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy? That sounded really familiar. So so he just recently had a book that just came out this last week called Be Your Future Self Now. Um, he has a couple of TED Talks about future self and and just, just really looking at yourself and saying, who do I want to be? And then becoming that person now, right? It's his philosophy. But but he's also written uh, several books with uh, with Dan Sullivan who is, he's the head of strategic coach, if anybody's heard of him. Great, you know, great ideas, great philosophies. But, but one thing I really love is, is, is he taught, he wrote a book called The Gap and the Gain. Oh, I have heard that one. Have you heard of The Gap and the Gain? So this is a highly recommended book for anybody listening. This is, this is an awesome book. This will change the way that you see some of these things. So, so it's funny. So I, I work with a lot of my clients on, on, on a lot of different things, depending on their needs, right? In my private executive coaching. And really in the end, one of them that a lot of us have to get over is the way that we measure progress. And so, so Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan in this book, they go through and they basically help us change the way that we compare. They say, okay, so, so it's called the gap and the gain. So first off, let's describe the gap. So it's just what we just described. It's I am right here at my current level and I'm going to compare something, right? Finances, skills at the piano, uh, skills at running, uh, whatever it might be, right? Uh, what kind of father I am, whatever, whatever it is you're measuring, you're comparing who you are right now to some ideal perfection in the future. And you're saying, well, man, this is who I want to become. And you're, and you're looking at how far you have to go this gap that you have to bridge in order to become that person you want to become. And it can be daunting. Sometimes you have to look forward because you got to have goals and determine who you want to be, but you don't measure that way. You look forward to determine your goals, but you can't measure that way because the gap is daunting and it can get depressing. But what he talks about is the gain. And he says, 
look backward, measure backward. So go back and look, okay, where was I when I first started, right? Where was I at whatever point in my life, whatever you're measuring and measure backward at the progress you've come. And almost always you will, he says, we will, we will underestimate how far we have actually come. And so when we really measure it and go backward, we can change our view and help us have a bigger and brighter future. And when we live in the game. And so anyway, it's a book that's highly recommended. It's very easy read. He has some great examples that explain it even further. But man, that that book has been uh, has been a game changer for me in some of my mindset. That will be very helpful to me because we've talked about this before. It's extremely difficult to look backwards from where you came. And it's not an intuitive thing. We're always you know, backs against a wall, just trying to push through the day and remembering these small victories that we've had over the past month, six months, year is, is hard to do. How have you found a process for you look to look back? If you created some type of a, a system or routine to start analyzing your past? Yeah. Yeah, I have actually. It's, it's funny. Uh, you know, so, so one of the things that I do, and this is, this is actually uh, something that a lot of people talk about, right? And a lot of and a lot of people talk about it because once again, it's true and it works. And it's it's journaling, right? And and you hear it; it's kind of a buzzword these days. I've never some, actually heard of people, that before. Journaling? What's that? No, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Isn't it funny? It seems like it seems like every person out there. Pardon the interruption, but for some reason, we lost Clint here in the middle of the podcast. He'll be back in a minute, but I wanted to take this chance to ask you for a favor. Are you enjoying this episode of the James Qualentau Show or the past episodes of the show? If you are, can you help me in celebrating the one-year anniversary of the show by leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, wherever. If you can leave a five-star review and leave a positive comment for other folks to see and hear about the show, or, or in addition to, send a note to a friend with an episode that you think would help them. It would really help me and help the show reach more people. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for supporting me over this last year. And I'm really enjoying this conversation with Clint, and I hope you are too. So let's get back into it and talk more about journaling and how it uh, can help you. Well, that was weird. Yeah. Journaling. <laughs> it was such a novel idea that it broke the internet. <laughs> exactly. No, Mike, I've never had that happen. My, my computer just like started flashing all these weird, like it like just did some weird little, uh, little thing and, uh, you weren't supposed to let that secret out about journaling, you know? I mean, <laughs> something was trying to stop me. Yeah. So now that you're back, tell me about your journaling process. Because, yeah, I mean, that's probably something suggested by every other guest that comes on, like a performance type show. And it's like, oh, journaling. Yeah. But I'm sure it has worked for you because everyone's that does it it really it really works yeah i have a combination of a couple of things that i have to do that and these are what i recommend to my clients often and it, it it's funny because they are often against it like this is one of the hardest things to get some of my clients to do is to to start to start journaling 
because until they do it, they don't know how good it will help it will help them feel and how it will clarify their thinking. There are two things I feel that help clarify my thinking personally more than anything. And one is journaling and the second is is getting just outside, having time to think, you know, not listening to anything on my phone or whatever it is, just be my own thoughts. So those are those are two things and they're connected. But but journaling, one thing that I do in, in conjunction with what we talked about in seeing kind of our progress in life, uh, for years I used to keep a gratitude journal. I mean, I I it was funny. I I, I can't remember when this was. I think it was in 2000, 2008 or nine. Somebody gave me a challenge and they said, Hey, if you wanna be a more positive person you know, keep a gratitude journal and write, you know, one to three things every day for a month and see how it changes your life. And, and I'm like, sure, why not? I, I can do this for a month. Why not? And, uh, and so I did. So I, so I wrote down every day and, uh, and let's see, it was about four years later <laughs> that I finally, that I, that I finally shifted some of my journaling a little bit and, and, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I, I kind of shifted the way I did it and things, but it was funny. It made a big impact on my life. I feel it really changed me and helped me be more positive. And then over the years, my journaling is, has kind of shifted, you know, it's part recording what's happened in my life and appreciating those things. And, you know, for my own children and for a future, but, but then there's the other part of my journaling that's there for my processing of things. And so, and so what I do is, is, is each day I actually write down my my top progress or top things that I accomplished that day. So celebrating the wins of the day. I take my top three and I say, this is what I accomplished today. And sometimes it's really small. Sometimes it's it's like what was yesterday? Do you remember? So like so like yesterday was my uh was my little boy's birthday. So my seven year old, he turned seven yesterday. And one of my goals yesterday was to be fully present in the evening for his, for his birthday. And that was one of my, that was one of my goals for the day that I wrote down the night that I wrote down the night before. And then during the day, that's the one I accomplished was to keep me focused because it's so easy with all of the busyness that happens with work, all of the things that happen that I want to do. I just want to be present for him and for our family. And it seems like such a simple goal, but having the goal that I wrote down the night before as something I wanted to have my win for tomorrow and then I writing down that win at the end of the day cements it that I could accomplish it and I did accomplish it. That's so and it was cool. a and it was a win. And it's and it's I'm telling you, it's it's changed my life the way that I do those things. And it doesn't have to be huge, right? Some of the small things are the things that in fact help us accomplish something great. And so that's one form of journaling I do. And then in the morning when I get up, I kind of write like a I just kind of write what's on my mind. Because you think about so much at night. And so I'll, so I will, I'll take a few minutes before I do look at my phone, before I do anything else. And I'll just write down some of my thoughts of what I was thinking about when I woke up because your mind solves, solves problems. And, and for me, those, those couple of journaling techniques have just helped focus my thoughts and, and really helped me accomplish more. And, and uh, it's been good. Help me get that momentum that I'm looking for. See, I've heard a lot about journaling and I think this might be one of the first times that I've heard someone set a goal the night before, do it, and then reflect on that at the end of the next day to really close the loop. Because how often 
as entrepreneurs or family men or just people that are trying to do a lot, do we feel like those loops ever get closed? Sometimes it feels like we never actually achieve anything on the way to progress. Mm -hmm. We brush off our successes so easily. Right. Once again, I, I work with men and women. I, I have, once again, I, it's called Unrivaled Man, my podcast. And I, I do. I work with both men and women. But I'll tell you, the men, um, it's hard for everyone that are high achievers specifically. But men specifically have a really hard time recognizing and celebrating those little wins because they say things like, well, I mean, that's just what's expected anyway. Or I, I, need, I had to do it anyway. Or I, I should be doing that anyway. I shouldn't be celebrating that. And they have all these just really kind of negative words, honestly, around it all, where it's instead of just saying, yeah, I did it. I, I, I accomplished what I said I was going to do and kept that integrity with myself. It's those little tiny things, keeping that integrity with ourselves, saying, this is what I'm going to accomplish. And I did it. And often we think it's not worth writing down a goal unless it's something like, you know, make this huge sale, accomplish this big thing, complete this big project. It's like, yeah, those have their place. But, you know, writing down something small, like being present with your kids or sending that one email that's going to make all the difference or making that one phone call, right, that you know is going to make all the difference and then celebrating that you actually did it. Yeah, it's worth that's, it. That's really cool. What does presence look like with your family? So like how... How do you define a night of being present with your family? So, so first off, I have so so I have six children, and some people are like, "Holy cow, six kids!" You know, and it's it's fun, and I I love it. It's I love it, and and I have three boys, three girls, and uh, range from you know just over a year old up to my my oldest daughter that's going to be fourteen later this year, and and we have a busy house. There's a lot going on. We have a lot of opinions on what, what people want to do. We It's loud, but man, it is good. And, and when I say being present, present is when I, what presence means for me is being there in the moment, not, not looking at my phone, not wishing I was somewhere else. That's the biggest part. F helping to helping myself be there. You know, it goes like with the, uh, if you've ever heard the quote, you know, be where your feet are, that's, it's that philosophy you need, you need to present is being where your feet are. So if you're there with your kids, be there with your kids. And so for me, that means playing with the kids, you know, doing what they would like to do. And also being present for me also means, you know, connecting with my kids in a meaningful way and letting go of the small things that happen because undoubtedly in the night where we're together, someone's going to spill their chocolate milk and it's going to go flying on the wall and hit wherever somebody's going to hit somebody else. Somebody's going to be sitting too close to someone else or breathe too loud or, you know, whatever it is, like there's always something and letting it go and just being there and realizing kind of the whole, once again, another cliche, don't sweat the small stuff that side of thing. It, it's funny how, I think you said it earlier, how some of these little cliches, you know, they, they just, they kind of come up over and over again. And it's, it's true because there there's truth to them. 
Yeah, they they come up because they work, but we toss them away because we've been hearing them our entire lives. And if they worked, wouldn't our lives be amazing? Like in Leave It to Beaver or something like that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So do you have to put guardrails or hedges or barriers in your evening time? Or like, what type of rules did you have to set for yourself with your calendar or with your work colleagues or... Because I think if if I the listeners here and this are going, yeah, that sounds great, Clint. I would love to be completely present with my family, but I can't do that because X, Y, Z. I know you're busy. You're constantly pushing forward and doing a lot. So how did you create this space in your day to be fully present? You know, the reality is you have to create it right? You have to create it. So, so at different times of life, I have had more flexibility in being able to create the life I want and to be able to be more present with my family or whatever it is I want to accomplish. And the reason there's, and the reason I've wanted to have this so badly is because of some of the different times in my past where I wasn't as present as I could be and where I and, and what I found was, is that the more present I was with my family, the better I was at work. So let me, let me give you a little, a little example um, with a story here. You know, several years ago, um, I was, I was in, a, in a role where, where it was heavy. I, I, it was, you know, I think I told you, James, that I, I worked in nursing facilities right? So skilled nursing facilities. So nursing homes, rehabilitation centers, that side of things. And uh, James's wife is, was in a, has been in a very similar world for a long time. And so we have a lot of, uh, a lot of similarities there. And, you know, this is a heavy world. You know, all of you that anybody listening that's in that world, I, I respect you. It is, it is a difficult world. I, I worked in healthcare for, you know, for 13, 14 years. And it is 24-7 in every sense of the world, in every sense of the word, you know? So what happened to me, but that doesn't mean that you have the excuse as a leader to not take control of your own life. There are ways to set up boundaries within your own life to make sure that you can still have presence of mind by getting the right people in place on your team and by doing some of the other critical things, but it takes a lot of intentionality. So, so let me give you an example of when, of what my life looked like before I started doing this. I, it was, so we're at the hospital, right? And luckily no one was hurt. We were actually there for a wonderful occasion. My wife was having, was having a baby and it was a wonderful day. Everything went just so smoothly. It honestly was, it was like one of the most smooth, like I said, we have six kids. This was like the best you know, delivery baby, just, just simple. So good. It's just a great day. You guys still had time to go out to dinner after it was just in and out. Exactly. Easy, just easy. no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not quite that good, but, but, pretty, but pretty good. It was a great day. And, and I'll tell you, that's what makes the next part of the story so tough. I have this vivid memory in my mind. I can see it in my mind right now of, of just looking out this window at the hospital. I'm looking out the window and I'm watching the cars pass by on this road. And, you know, I wish I could say that I was contemplating how wonderful it was of my baby that was born a few hours before that was sitting in the arms of my wife at that moment. 
But what I was thinking about was work because there were some decisions that I didn't make that I should have made. Some things that would have made it so I could be present at that moment, but it was me. It was my leadership, lack of leadership, that made it so that at that moment I was thinking about work instead of being present with my wife. And she could tell. She called over to me and I went and walked by the bed and just kind of looked at the baby. And my wife said, just go, go, go back to work and take care of it. I know that's what's on your mind. I'm like, no, I'm staying here. Like, I'm not going to be that jerk, that dad that go, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I committed and I said, look, no, I'm going to be here for a few days. We're going to take care of this. And I, I, I'm so excited because I was, of course I was excited. My new baby's there. Right. And, and she said, but I want you here. And what she was saying is, I want you present, right? And she was so kind, I'll, t- I'll tell you. this. But yet me inside, I was just screaming, saying, no, I cannot leave. I won't do that. I refuse to leave right now. The baby was born earlier this morning. Like I, I can't do that. And, and she's like, no, go and take care of it. I know what's on your mind. And then come back and be fully present with us. And, and, and so I'm like, okay, I'll be quick. I'm going to go. And I'm telling you, I went back to work. And I spent a few hours, right? I did not want to go, but I'm like, I spent a few hours. And people are like, what are you doing here? And I said, I had some unfinished things that I had to take care of. And we went in and I, I went through these things that I had been, that I had not been acting on for weeks or even months in some cases. And just boom, 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 made the decisions, move forward on a few things. And it was amazing. It started the ball rolling and it started my change. It, start, it, was my, it was my first steps toward truly getting that momentum that I wanted in life, even though I didn't realize it quite at the time. I just knew my mind was clearer. And I mean, I was a good leader. I was. I had went from managing a few people up to over 150 people. It wasn't like I was some slouch that couldn't lead. But, but there were some things in my leadership that I needed to get some perspective on. And, and it was at that point that I, that I realized I needed a coach. And I, and I went and got me a coach that helped me, an executive coach to help me work through these things and see these blind spots in my life more clearly. So I went back a few hours later with my wife and it was amazing how just getting clarity on some of those things helped me be able to be present. And so, so that story, that experience has stuck with me so strong that I can't help but, but want to share this with others. I love that. And I think that a lot of people listening who are in tough jobs or tough leadership positions of some kind, they don't have to be in the delivery room to have that type of an awakening. You can, you can set it up for yourself by saying, okay, this Sunday, I'm going to shut my phone off for the entire day and I'm not going to check my email for the entire day and see what if that makes you start scratching your neck and shaking mm-hmm. and sweating and if even the thought of maybe turning off your phone and disconnecting for a day freaks you out, you need this rehab. You need to put yeah. processes in place. You may need a coach like Clint. You not, you need the help because like he said, he was a great leader. But if you're a tremendous leader, you should be able to turn off once in a while mm-hmm. and trust that the boat's going to steer without you there. If it isn't going to do it without you there, 
you maybe aren't as good of a leader as you thought you were, or you had some major blind spots. <laughs> <laughs> so this actually goes back. Remember how we talked about the unrivaled momentum we talked about at the beginning? Mm-hmm. And I talked about DCA, the desire, clarity, and action in connecting with people. This is, this is an example of that. I realized that I needed to help my employees realize that we all had a desire to be present with our families, Right. And that was part of a discussion we had to have together as a team. What do we want, guys? What do we want? Do we want to keep answering each other, texting and messaging at all hours of the night always because we're a 24-hour facility? Or do we want to set parameters in place? That's the clarity part, right? Desire to change, clarity. Or do we want to set parameters in place for each of us so that we can all have a chance to be home and present with our families and set parameters in place so that one person can take that load that comes at night, right? And and they can make the decision as best they can and move on. Of course, in a facility, a healthcare facility, I always got calls later. I always kept my phone because we we needed to for the healthcare of others. But guess what? When I start, when we started setting some of these boundaries in place and getting some clarification on what success looked like and then acted on it, oh, it didn't happen overnight, but over time, the phone calls slowed until it was only the the truly urgent things that, that came to my attention. Otherwise, I was home and I wasn't answering texts all night. I wasn't answering emails all night because I set the expectation before. I didn't just do it cold turkey and say nothing. We set the expectation. We all had a desire to do it. We got clear on what it meant and then we acted on it and made it better and better. I think a lot of leaders are these hard charging achievers on the Gallup Strength Finders, you know, they're number one's achiever, number two's competition. Like, that's me. Mm-hmm. That's gotten me a lot of success and opened a lot of doors, but it's also made it so I've worn out a lot of people that have worked for me over the years, just go, 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 go. And I realized as a leader, if I wanted my employees to have balance, I needed to have balance. I needed to take my lunch breaks. I needed to take 15-minute breaks. Mm-hmm. I needed to take vacation time. And I needed to encourage other people to do that too, or they wouldn't because they would think to impress me, they had to also always be, a, be available. But that's not work. That's, that's way beyond the scope of what we should be giving to our jobs. It's way more. We, we cannot be so dedicated to our job that we neglect our family in the process. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's one of those examples of, you know, we talk about work-life balance and I always hate even using the term because it's overused and people don't understand what it means. And, and so, so that's really where I, why I talk about momentum more than balance because momentum is something once again, that it's, it's that feeling it's, it, 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 there is a balance. You can't, you can't get something spinning faster and faster without, without a balance. The reason I use the word momentum is because, so I, so I love to mountain bike and I love to snow ski. Right. And, and so when, when you're snow skiing or mountain biking for that matter, and you're coming down a mountain, you almost, you almost dodge any obstacle that comes your way without even thinking like on snow skis, you'll go through the trees and go back and forth, back and forth, flowing over the over the snow and avoiding obstacles and you know, just having fun until it feels like you're almost going faster and faster and faster, right? And 
and so that's how I feel. That's the what the feeling I want. And and in the end, I find that you know, in order to have that feeling in your kind of general life, you have to go where where the need is. So sometimes family is going to take more time than it otherwise would. Sometimes work is going to take more time. It's a season. Sometimes another part of our life, our health is going to take more time and we have to go and take that time. It's not going to be equal every single day, but we have to have a mechanism. This is where journaling comes in. This is where coach can come in. This is where communication with our spouse can come in. A mechanism to make sure that we're spending the time on the right thing in life at the right time. And and when you do that, when something urgent comes up at work, it's going to be okay. It's not going to destroy your family. It's going to be fine. You can work late sometimes if you have to, because that's what's needed, because you've spent the time, you know, when it wasn't crazy. And, and, you know, when you find that work is always taking all of your time, that means you, you have to change something. And if you're a leader at work, it's in your control. So take control. I am curious what you would say to someone who is not leading a department and they're working for one of these leaders that is, let's just say, not living in momentum or not unrivaled or they're, you know, they haven't figured it out yet. And it's it's almost a toxic work relationship now. And if they want to keep that job, they have to keep going with it. I would think, but mm-hmm. is there something they can say to their boss or do they need to find a different position? Like, what do you say to those people? Yeah. You know, it really, it, as with any answer, it always depends right on your situation. And, but I will tell you, we, we do truly all lead in some way. Right. And, and we impact, we, we have, we often have more impact over our environment than we like to admit. It's very easy to become a victim. It's so easy to become a victim. And I use the word victim purposefully because it makes me cringe. I don't want to be a victim. And anybody listening to a podcast like this does not want to be a victim. I can guarantee that. And and so it's very easy to become a victim when we look at our circumstance and think, well, I can't get another job or, or man, where am I going to find somewhere else that pays this much? Or when did it? So, so they don't do anything. They're afraid to rock the boat. And when I say rock the boat, I mean, gosh, it's not like you have to go to your boss and say, this is now my work schedule. This is now what I'll be. You can't do that. You got to work with people, you know, when you're an employee. So, so you go, you take, take more control over your life than you're probably, you probably have more control of your life than you're giving yourself credit for now. So look at what you're doing. Look at what's really causing you to be unhappy or what's causing you to not have balance and and control what you can control. And if your boss is open, communicate some of the things you're doing and some of the things you want to control or if there's something you might be surprised, you know, by communicating. Once again, you got to figure out in, in anything in life, you just need to decide to figure out what they want, right? So it's it goes back to the desire, right? What do they desire? What do you desire? And in the end, you want to make money you want to have a good life. You want to have, you know, a decent work-life balance, whatever that is called for you. And they want to make money and they want the same thing, right? And so, so if you can help show them in some way that, 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 you know, being able to change a few of these little things in work can actually enhance your performance, 
you know, they might be open to it, but if they're not open to talk, you might be in the wrong place. And I think it's important to make clear that you have to be doing your day job first yes. before you're going to get some license for more flexibility and freedom. If you're not showing up exactly. and doing the best work you can, then you, you're, you're just going to get laughed at. I remember yes. uh, one of the, when I was, when I was a manager at Best Buy at one of the stores, it was like really cool not to take your vacation time. Like all the managers were like, yes. we're such hard workers. We let our vacation time expire. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I take three vacations a year. I've got it all figured out. I take one in the spring, one in the summer, one in the fall. Winter's our crazy season. So I have to do it that way. I can't just come in here and now seem like I'm the lazy one that never wants to be at work. Like that wouldn't help me climb the ladder. So I was like, I got to be smarter yes. than just making myself look weak. So I said, hey guys, like let's figure out how to get you. You work so hard. I remember this specifically. Like you work so hard, Peter. Like let me help plan your time off. Like I'll help you plan a cruise. Like I'll find a time on the calendar when you can go. I'll cover your role. Like I'll make sure everything's fine. Like blah, 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 blah. And I got everyone else's whole year calendared out and helped them plan some really cool ideas and dream. And then it was like, great. Now I'm just going to fill in the blanks with my time in between. And then everyone (laughs) in the building got a vacation and everyone was happier, but I was taking care of myself and trying to just be smart about it. (laughs) See, I love that. And as a leader, that's such a powerful thing for you to recognize that and to do that for yourself and for your people. Like that's, that's an amazing thing, but not all leaders are like that. And, and so that's where once again, you can control what you can control. And, and that's where at different times of life, I've had to do, get more creative when I wasn't in a role that could impact all those things. I imagine, you know, anybody listening is probably in that spot where they feel, you know, somebody listening to this show is probably someone who's on their way to being a leader. So impact what you can. And, and then, and then along the way, when you are in a role, you be the one that does it different because you can. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. How, how much from my leadership journey did I learn from what I didn't want to be like, like the leaders mm-hmm. I worked for, I'm like, oh, when I run this department, I will never do that. Like I have to be different. Like you can learn <laughs> so much from the negatives. And as yes. a leader going, growing up in businesses, you're going to get bumps and bruises a lot. And those are all great learnings. <laughs> they are. They are. Well, and it's funny because I, I want to clarify something too. As we're talking, it almost sounds like, because we're talking about taking time for yourself and having some boundaries in life to be present at home and things like that. It almost sounds like we're saying, you know, don't push so hard. You know, you don't need to be this super high performer. Just kind of, you know, it's all right. Just take your rest and do it. Yes, we're saying take your rest, but we're saying when you're at work, absolutely kill it. Like be the best, like absolutely kill it when you're there. Mm -hmm. But when you're at home, kill it there too. And when you're doing your hobbies, don't feel guilty that you're not at work or home. Be all in on your hobby at the time. Whatever it is that you want to do that's for you, be there. Be all in on it. Be awesome. And so so that's really the key to all of this is, is anybody listening to this is a high achiever. So go be a high achiever. But, but be a high achiever. Going back to the wherever your feet are, be a high achiever wherever your feet are. Wherever you're at, go and kill it there. 
That is so good because oh, that is so amazing because that's really the secret, really. Wherever you are, do the best you can do and don't be thinking about what you left behind the other place <laughs> because if you're killing it at that other place, you should be able to step aside temporarily to go do something else. Yes, yes. And if you want the momentum, you have to have clarity of mind, right? You have to have your clarity of mind. So I know for me, I am, I, I love to make sure that I don't forget things. I hate forgetting things. Nothing worse for me than feeling like I let someone down or I didn't meet an obligation. So what do I do? At the end of each workday, I take a few minutes to, to make sure that I didn't miss what I was going to do. And then I go and I plan my next day. I plan my next day. And once a week, I take the time to go through and see all that I accomplished and plan my next week, what I want to accomplish, where I want to go. Once again, amazing. That doesn't sound like very new advice, does it? Like that is a that is a tried and true principle. And there's a reason that so many people bring it up because it works. And if you're one of the people out there that's not doing those things, that's not taking a minute to plan your day the day before and your week the week before, you're missing out on a performance opportunity that you don't even know you're missing. Because, because your mind solves problems when you're sleeping, right? And, and you, when you're able to be present, once again at night, wherever you're at, much of that is having your mind clear. So if you have everything recorded already down, boom, you're good. You can, you can forget about it until the next day. Yeah. The one thing that I, I did want to point out, if, someone has tried these things in their work environment and it's still a toxic place there's probably never been a better time in the history of this country to change jobs to change careers to find a new company if anything this the, the articles i've been seeing are showing if you haven't changed positions or changed companies in the last two years you're actually getting left behind economically because your peers that left went and made a lot more money at the new place that they went and you're still getting paid what you were getting paid in 2019 and um, people are having to pay a lot more to get talent now and if you're a hard worker someone who has a good attitude and is willing to learn you can pretty much pick any company in this country that you want to work for almost every company is hiring and trying to find people just like you it's true there's so much right now. And even within organizations, you hear a lot of people that have been able to switch it up within their organization, like if they work for a big company, where they're able to move from one department to another or one manager to another and shake up a little bit in life and get a pay increase, you know, get the same impact. So there's lots of ways. There's lots of ways. If you like the company you work for, there's there's ways of doing it. It's a it is an unprecedented time for sure. And and so much more flexibility in life. I mean, I'm telling you, so there are some roles. Once again, I came from healthcare originally. And unfortunately, there are not a lot of roles that can be remote in healthcare. There just aren't. And that's an unfortunate thing because remote work can be powerful. But there's also a wonderful team element that comes in, in healthcare. But but yet, if you're someone that's that, that works at a place that is remote or can be remote, man, that's a, that's a, that's a great, oper, great opportunity. When my wife left the nursing home business we were kind of unsure she was going to come help with with our companies and it was a it was a big thing to turn down six figures a year and just like come home like just, just quit that you know at the top of her game 
and they were like, oh, no, no, we want, we want to keep you. Like, well, you could work part-time as a marketer. Like, we could, you know, like, these companies are willing to be flexible and keep good talent. Like, they'll find a way to make you happy if you're, like, showing up and doing a good job. Um, I am curious. You mentioned a lot of the lagging measures for, for these unrivaled individuals. But you did say lead versus lag. What are some of the lead measures you, that I can inspect on the daily that will show up six months down the line. We talked about journaling, but what are some of the other ones? What are some other things I can say, yeah, I either did it or no, I didn't in each day? Yeah. And that's and that's the reason that it's, it's so important to, to, to find your blind spots in life, right? Find out where you need to work so that you can determine what you want to accomplish, right? Early on in the show, we talked about future self a little bit. And we said, okay, determining, getting clear on who you want to be, right? So you get clear on yourself. Who do you want to be in three, five years, 20 years into the future, right? Who do you want to be? And if you had the knowledge of that person in the future, what would they say? What would they tell you to start doing today, right? To be able to be that, that great person you want to become sooner, now even. And so, so for me, that's one of the exercises I do with my clients is go through and really dive deep on helping them find their blind spots in their life and helping them figure out who they actually want to be as a husband, right? As a father for the women, right? As a, as a mother, as, you know, if you don't have children, right? As a, you know, as, as just a great family member, right? If you're not married, or with children, if you if you have children, all those different relationships in life, deciding what you want it to look like, and then begin to do the things that will get you there. Because it, everything becomes clear when your vision is clear, right? Have a desire to change, desire clarity action, desire to change something. Get clear on what it actually means, who that person is, what they would do, and then act on those things, and then change. The more you begin acting, your view actually changes right? It's almost like you're on a, you're climbing up a mountain and you're looking at the mountain. All you can see is this one peak. So you start climbing up and as you climb up and you get to the peak, what do you see? Another peak, <laughs> another peak, but not just one peak. You see all kinds of peaks and they're all in different directions. The possibilities are huge and you couldn't even see those before. All you could see was this one thing. So making one decision to be your future self, right? And start being that person actually changes your perspective on what's possible and what you can do. And, and, and so those things start changing what's available to you. So your goals will change over time. So, so, so for me, the goals that I have now are much different than the goals that I had had years ago. And so, but some of the ones that haven't changed are the journaling, right? The, you know, for me, what's very important to me is, is uh, the lead indicators for me are time, you know, meditating or, or, you know, or prayer for me. Those are big ones. Time to just sit and be. Um, another one is, is exercise. And once again, we are, we are bringing up all the basics here, the things that keep coming up, but it's amazing. If you're doing the basics, things happen. If I'm not, if I'm not taking time to journal, meditate and pray 
and time to exercise and think because I like to mountain bike, like I said. So I do a lot of exercise out on the mountain and that's also my thinking time. I'll ride to the top of a mountain, take a few minutes and just sit and think, just, just kind of clear my mind. And, and those are some of the things that I find that are lead indicators. If I do those things, I have better ideas. I'm a better husband. The, the goals that I want to accomplish to be a better husband, be more present, uh, accomplish great things at work. If I do those three things, it's crazy. They're, they're, they, are, they are the things that will knock over all of the other dominoes, right? The other things are easy once, once, I get, once I'm able to, to master doing those things in my life. And, and once again, the little goals that I have after that, they change over time. What is it about getting outside in the fresh air and the sunshine that just helps you overcome any of the problems that are happening in the day? Isn't it? it it's, it's an amazing thing. And I've, and I, and I know there have been, you know, studies that show about it, like the effects of sunshine. Um, you know, there, there's, there are lots of different effects that, that take place in your body when you get your heart rate moving, you know, there's all kinds of studies that have been shown, you know, that, you know, getting your heart rate above a certain level for so many minutes every day can, can, you know, change the way you think. And for me, when I exercise or when I get out in nature, it's like there's this block, right? That's in my face. Like earlier, you talked about how I think Stephen Pressfield, right, is the war mm-hmm. of art. Uh, so the resistance that he talks about in that book, I- I'm telling you, I feel the resistance slip away for a little bit when I get outside and when and when I move my body and when I take the time to think. It you know it, it, it takes things that were hard because of just this, this general resistance, this, uh, you know, that feeling, we all know that feeling. It just helps to kind of push that away so that we can accomplish the things that we really want to accomplish. That's one of my, I guess, silver bullets or, or secrets, but I talk about it all the time. So it's not a great secret, but if I'm feeling stuck in my efforts personally or for work, which is basically every day because when you're trying to (laughs) do new things and big things, you're going to basically always be struggling against it. I get outside and I just walk. And it is unbelievable what one foot in front of the other does for your problems that you left behind. And I think it's just your brain just knows, hey, I'm moving forward. I'm feeling good. Mm -hmm. And it just, like you said, the momentum carries. You go outside in the sunshine, put one foot in front of the other, and you keep going, your brain's like, we're moving forward, time to solve this problem. And it's it's why these uh, philosophers that we still talk about hundreds and thousands of years ago, uh, we're still talking about them today, most of them did most of their thinking on these walks, like getting outside, philosopher's way, all these old towns have these areas around the schools that they were called philosopher's way and they would just get outside and walk steve jobs on the campus of apple and around the streets there he would just get outside and walk and i really think that that's that's one of my leading measures for sure is like did i get outside today and leave my phone behind and just go with no plan no intention just to get out there and just kind of disconnect and walk yeah, there's something about progress moving forward. That's why I fell on the mountain bike too. It's the same thing. It's a, it's it's just a forward momentum, and once again, it's momentum again. It's something that gets us moving. There's something about physically moving that makes 
the other parts of our life move. I find the same thing with my wife often. We'll often take a walk. Like, uh, you know, this is where I'm blessed to be able to work from home most days um, when I'm not, a, you know, working at a company on site. And and so for me, it's great. Often we'll eat lunch or something. I'm like, okay, hey, let's go for a walk. And we'll just we'll just go walk around the neighborhood for a few minutes. Or, and, and it's just one of those things that just helps us move forward personally, you know, together as well. And we have great conversations and, and we, and we do, we, it helps us move our relationship forward as well. It's, it's, it's very interesting because another thing that, you know, it's, it's funny because I had one of my coaches in the past actually said that, uh, said the same thing that the movement, there's something, you know, there's something about it. Uh, and she also, she also talked about how, how sometimes in life we get so frustrated when things don't happen fast enough. And, and I think that's one thing that, that we do often is, is the reason we're feeling frustrated, we feel the resistance is because we're trying to push things too hard. Um, and, and, and sorry to interrupt, but for me, please. it's, I, you're right on describing me and I want to make this point back to the beginning of our conversation. It's usually because I'm comparing to someone else and saying, well, they did it Boom. in this amount of time. I'm really smart exactly. and awesome. Why am I taking so long? <laughs> oh, you you just you just hit it on the head. So I you just hit it right on the head. I I'm telling you and and that's and that's where my coach where she said she says just remember it'll all come right on time. Right on time. If you're doing the right things, you're watching your lead measures, you're focusing on the right things. It all happened right on time. Right when it's supposed to happen, it'll happen, right? And uh, and it's one of those little things that's helped me personally, because I am one that has a tendency to compare. Thus, the reason that I felt it necessary to name my podcast and, and what I'm doing with my, with my clients, this is Unrivaled Momentum, I needed to name it Unrivaled because I needed to stop the comparison myself. Uh, so here's the deal. I have, I have three incredible brothers, incredibly successful. I have a brother-in-law also, you know, because I have one sister. Also, incredibly successful, all successful, you know, successful careers, successful businesses, amazing. And, you know, some were older, some were younger than me. And, and it's funny how often we find ourselves comparing to each other. So I've talked to them about this, right? We've talked about it. And, uh, and we'll often compare ourselves to each other. And, and as we become more aware of this, I've tried to make sure we talk about it more because we forget, just like you mentioned earlier on, we, we keep comparing different circumstances, different times of life. Um, we'll often compare our beginning to someone else's ending, right? Of a certain phase of their life, or, or they just had an amazing year and killed it. And, you know, their business made a bunch of money or they got some bonus or, or they went on some vacation to some amazing place, whatever it is. But we're not thinking at that moment when a year ago we got the great bonus, we made the great money in the business. We got to go on the cool vacation and they were home. Like we, we don't think about that. And, and so that's what this is all about. Yeah. Being aware of, of where we're at and, and truly telling ourselves the truth. Um, another, another quote I love, and I don't remember where, I don't remember who first said it or who quoted it, but they said, uh, but the, I heard it from actually Benjamin Hardy, uh, the one we talked about earlier. He said, all progress starts by telling the truth. All progress starts by telling the truth. And when we're comparing ourselves to others, we are not telling the truth. And I think most of us think pretty highly of ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
Why we can't do. we congratulate that person? Like, what kind of person are we <laughs> that we're sitting there going, I wish I had that. I'm envious instead of being genuinely happy for them. Like, why can't we? Like, I, I sometimes feel, and this is a major weakness of mine, like I can't tell my friends and family great things that happened to me because mm-hmm. it'd almost be like I'm bragging. Why exactly. can't I do that? And I want them to brag about themselves to me. Like it's hard out there in the world. Like please yes. tell me your wins so I can cheer you on and then realize I could go do that too. Like I just feel like we need to be more bold and share our victories because you look everywhere and you see all the struggle. But let's talk more about the wins, too. I mean, let's be proud of mm-hmm. them. That's where journaling is a big part because you have to start with yourself. All great progress, once again, starts by telling the truth. And the first person you have to tell the truth to is yourself, right? Yourself. And and starting to share your wins with yourself. Uh, you can share it in prayer with God and be grateful for the things that you've accomplished and you can, and, and so you can recognize his hand in your life and in, and in the progress that you've had. And then you can recognize those wins, make other goals, recognize the wins of the other people in your family or at work, and then share your wins, find people to share with. Journaling is a great place to write your wins down so that you can celebrate them, but show, celebrate them with your spouse, celebrate them with someone that you trust, have a group of people that you meet with, find other people that are like you and, and meet with them. That's, that's one of the things I find is most powerful for me in life. I have a couple of, you know, different groups that I meet with and have some friends that are at similar places in, in business and in life. Um, I have some that are far away, far ahead of me. And I, and I say that once again, just kind of in air quotes again, ahead, because what in the world is ahead even mean? Right. And, uh, but it feels sometimes they, you know, in business, maybe they're ahead of me in some way. And I have people are all different places and, and we talk and go through it. And, and it's amazing. Having safe places in life to share wins is, is important. And so, uh, fi- finding those. I'd like to share a win with you and Please. the audience. And then I want to give you a chance to tell us what you're working on and where we can find you and, um, and, and, and whatnot. But, I do want to announce that in 10 days, around the time when this episode will probably come out, uh, July 17th is one year anniversary of this podcast. And ah, well this done. podcast started five years ago when I put down on paper I wanted to be a podcaster. And it took four years for me to get the courage to actually go and do it. And so <laughs> now we're a year in, 50 plus episodes, usually 90 minutes long. And I've gotten yeses. And I've gotten no's from some of the most amazing people that I never thought would be brought into my life. And I'm so grateful that I did this. And uh, it's just really cool. If, Like you said, if you put it down and you work towards it, amazing things can happen. Yeah, there's so much truth to that. So much wisdom. And uh, it's amazing how, how we can accomplish great things, even if, even if we have to overcome overcome some of the fear. I'm telling you, starting a podcast is scary. Putting yourself out there, right? And uh, and it's it's a scary thing. So that is that is a huge win. And and podcasting and and really anything where we can overcome our fears, it just just makes us better. Even if we fall on our face or what we feel is falling on our face, we're still farther forward than we were before. 
Amen. So, and what I what's so funny is uh, James Altucher, a friend of the show, will often say, you know, you just need to press enter. And if mm. you aren't afraid, that means you're not really saying anything new or not really challenging yourself. And another thing is, is if, if you're just starting out, no one's going to see it anyway. So, you know, no one, exactly. even, no one heard the first 10 <laughs> amazing podcast episodes I put out, you know, so um, you, it, not as many people are paying attention as we may think we, we or we wish that they were paying attention to. So and, tell us- and the people that are paying attention. Sorry, one more thing. The people that are paying attention are the ones that like you for you. Amen. Yeah. Yes. So mm-hmm. I wish I would have remembered that four years ago and I would have, you know, we'd be t- saying, hey, this is the four year anniversary of the show. <laughs> yes, definitely. Anyway, um, where can we learn more about you and, and what are you working on that we can support you in right now? And, and, and uh, tell us a little more. No, I appreciate that. No. So best place to find me is at unrivaledman.com. So unrivaledman.com. And, and from there you can, you can, uh, you know, I have a I have a, a a training there called you know uh, you know unlock your unrivaled momentum training. So it's a it's a it's a short little training just to help people be able to see some of the blind spots in their life and help eliminate those. And and then you can also you can also find me as unrivaled man on you know Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. You can you can find me all those places under unrivaled man. Which social media do you use the most, like personally, that you like? Yeah, you know, so Instagram is where I find that a lot of the people are. So I end up going Facebook and Instagram, um, but uh, and then but but LinkedIn, I'll share a few more of the business side of things. If you if you want a little more on the business side, that's a great place there. If you want more of the family side, uh, you know, find me on on Instagram. Okay, I'll make sure to put a link to your course and to your website and your social media accounts and the books that we recommended in here, like Benjamin Hardy's book um, and The Gap and The Gain in the show notes for this episode over at quandall.com. But I am curious, before I let you go, what are you working on right now that you're super excited mm-hmm. about? Yeah, you know, the thing I'm most excited about right now is is my Unrivaled Momentum program. And so really what's happening is, is it's a place where I'm trying to help leaders come and be able to have that unrivaled momentum in their life. And so it's a combination of um, some different trainings that I've created as well as personal one-on-one coaching with me. And, um, and so it's fun. I have, I have a few spots available for people, for, for leaders that are wanting to, to elevate their life. And it's just been so fun seeing some of the leaders that are already in the program just get uh, a momentum in life that they've dreamed of in the past with their personal life and also with their business, how them being able to see that once they get the things taken care of at home, that wow, business will come and take care of itself. And so that's just been a very exciting project that I've been working on for the last year. So um, that's, that's just been, been where, where all the excitement's been. Okay, great. I'll make sure I link to that, as I mentioned, and um, it's just been a really fun time catching up and getting the chat with you. And I know we're going to continue having great conversations because you're definitely filling me up with a lot of excitement. And I love what you talked about, about momentum. I really, you know, it's such a great word to describe the measures that you're taking when things are going really well. You just have momentum. Things are just, just, wins are happening. And uh, it's, it's pretty neat to see. I love it. Well, James, thanks for having me on the show. Sure appreciate it. It's a ton of fun. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of The James Quandall Show. The show notes for this episode and other goodies can be found at quandall.com. Are you enjoying the show? If you are, please subscribe and leave a review. I may end up reading your review live on the next episode. Subscribing, leaving a review, and telling your friends about the show is the best way to support me and help the show grow. See you next time. Thank you.